This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Pain. Dot TV slash gold, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you are having a wonderful weekend. I've been having a great weekend as well. It is what Saturday night, so we're recording this show to put out for Sunday morning. So I'm working over the weekend for you folks because there is just so much information to cover. There is so much out there. I've been having conversations with Maria Albanese, the great and wonderful, very wise and intelligent, well-researched broadcaster on the Thomas Paine podcast on Fridays. We've been sharing intelligence all weekend. She's investigating black propaganda. I'm over here reading in depth about the history of the technocracy and the varying sort of uh, ideologies, methodologies behind the technocracy, which I will get into shortly. Uh, Today, I had a wonderful experience at a picnic with the uh, thrown by the midwifery service that we're using for my wife's birth. So as I told you, if we are going to talk the talk, we have to walk the walk. We have to make moves to live in the natural world. Uh, focused on natural life as much as possible. So we are doing that here in the Gold family. I will get into a little bit of that shortly because I had some very interesting conversations. There's two quick subjects I wanted to touch on before we get into that stuff. And then tonight, we are going to focus on finishing up the Dr. Uh, Morgan video. Okay, you guys remember Dr. Charles Morgan III. And yesterday, we did not get back into that because I sidetracked myself with the super soldier program and the unclassified document showing that the United States Army and the Department of Defense have been actively seeking out measures to build a cyborg super soldier. And that was quite important. And let me just put up on the screen before I address uh, two issues here. Um, So yesterday we started to review, we just touched on the U.S. Army Combat Capabilities Development Command Chemical Biological Center document on the Cyborg Soldier 2050 human-machine fusion and the implications for the future of the Department of Defense. And human-machine fusion is the merger of man and machine. That is singularity. That is transhumanism. And so we just touched on that. But don't worry, folks. That's 
in my notes, and that is probably what I'm going to review tomorrow. You never know, though. As you notice here at the Dust and Gold Standard, sometimes I decide to switch directions if I realize there is something more pressing I have to cover or if I think that I need to teach you about something first before we get into depth about the next subject. So that is on my radar. Also, what came out of the uh, BBC article that we reviewed in the last couple of days was this document uh, up on the screen now of China's military biotech frontier, CRISPR, military civil fusion, and the new revolution in military affairs. And that's a document talking in part about what China is working on for their super soldier program. So I'm in the process of reviewing that as well. And I might bring that into the discussion sometime in the next couple of days. And then we're going to work our way into Dr. James Giordano, who was one of the authors of this cyborg soldier 2050 document and he has been on maria albanese's radar for many years he finally just came up in research i was doing so the two of us started cross-referencing our research and it's very important i get into this dr james giordano lecture uh, similar to dr charles morgan's lecture because what he talks about is then going to fit in to what we discuss in regards to joe biden's executive order that I owe you a full and comprehensive review on. And uh, I would have done it sooner, but I didn't think it was as pressing as this. And I think you needed to understand the foundation of what our government is already doing before we jump into what it says it's going to do under the Biden executive order. Okay, let me address a couple quick things because I do like to answer questions from the audience because I always say I want questions from you guys. So someone had sent me a Twitter video clip of Peter Thiel. And Thiel addressed basically three scenarios uh, for what the future government uh of the of eastern europe was going to look like and so i did not pull that video clip because there is an entire interview that goes behind the selected 90 second clip that was played and so what i will do tomorrow i think before we review the cyborg soldier 2050 document is i will play you the three minute clip and explain to you what Thiel is talking about and then uh go into some more depth on you know basically everything that Thiel says is a lie because as i've showed you like elon musk he's a fork-tongued devil and so he'll go out in public and pretend to be against the idea of singularity or laugh at it while at the same time he's funding it and he does this time and time again whether he's just a great investor who hedges his bets and bets on both sides or he owns both sides to then manipulate the market uh, or he uses it to get government contracts and such it's all of the above to be honest but uh essentially in that clip Thiel says that there's basically three doctrines for how Eastern Europe is going to look like. But what he's lying about or leaving out is at the end of the day, there's a third one, which I call technocratic transhumanism, which is rule by 
sort of these soon to be transhuman artificial intelligence cyborg people uh, like himself, Elon Musk, Ray Kurzweil, and others. And so at the end of the day, Peter Thiel is out there developing the technocracy, the prison planet, in partnership with the government, with government funding, as well as with government grants, as well as with government contracts, partnered with almost every government agency, if not all of them. Uh, the last I saw openly, he has over $1.5 billion in government contracts, and he's building the prison planet. We showed you that. I'm not going to go into depth on that right now, because we showed you across, I don't know three or four episodes on peter thiel uh, all the programs he's involved with the prison planet technology he's developing in partnership with the government so he sits there and says there's these three types of government uh that a bit basically what he says is that it's either going to be islamic sharia it's going to be sort of a climate change run government or it's going to be chinese level uh, artificial intelligence prison planet tech and at the end of the day what he's building with the united states government is the chinese uh, ai prison planet technology all right he's a transhumanist admittedly he says transhumanism is the same thing as christianity whether you're a christian or not doesn't matter i don't i don't really get into like religious uh, ideology here but he's saying christianity and transhumanism are the same thing because at the end of the day he's going to offer you immortality under transhumanism and christianity offers you eternal life in heaven with god so you see where he's coming from you see what he stands for he openly says that singularity will either bring the greatest boom in investment opportunities or it'll be a boom that'll blow up the world so you see what type of person he is so i just wanted to address that because someone sent it to me and i don't like to leave questions unanswered uh the second thing is that it might have been a comment related to that on pain.tv where i posted uh my comment in regards to uh what feel is and so um the person had actually responded back that you know these guys have no here actually hold on let me clear this up for you i've got the tweet up on the screen it was Jack Posobiec who tweeted this. Someone sent it to me. And it said, Thiel, there are three tangible futures, Islamic Sharia law, Chinese totalitarian AI, or hyper-environmentalism. Okay. So what I said was instead of Chinese totalitarian AI, Peter Thiel offers German, because he's German, German-American totalitarian AI coupled with transhumanist singularity, but not to worry because it's the same as Christianity, as Thiel puts it, because he's offering you immortality, a.k.a. eternal life as well. So that's how I responded uh, to this, and it was not three tangible futures. It was three tangible futures in Eastern Europe, but we'll get into that in depth when uh, we show the whole video of which I'm in the process of reviewing and we'll probably get to it maybe next week or the week after because there's so much other material to cover. So then on pain.tv someone had responded that uh, it doesn't matter these people do not have dominion over me um, you know don't tread on me stand strong in the United States listen I'm with you I'm a don't tread on me guy I don't want to be tread on but here's the problem, as I wrote back to that person, in a very respectful manner. I'm not looking to argue with you guys. The purpose of this show, as I've said, is trying to understand where this all came from, okay? What it looks like 
in the moment currently and where they are headed with it in the future. What is their goal? And so if these elitists, if these social engineers, if these wardens of the prison planet, if these technocratic scientists and engineers, if these dirty bankers and investors, if these corrupted supposed representatives of we the people, if the CEOs of the companies, if the heads of the trade associations, if the presidents of the trade unions, if all of them are on board, including the generals of the military, including the chiefs of police of the police departments, including many of the elected sheriffs that run county sheriff departments, heads of the state police, if all of these people are lockstep on board with developing the prison planet technology, are gene editing and DNA splicing are building a prison planet and then those on the low level, the cops and stuff, are there to enforce it. And they are doing it whether wittingly or unwittingly just because they get a paycheck then we can sit here and say, well they have no dominion over me. Okay, that sounds great. Don't tread on me is a great bumper sticker at this point. But in reality, they're going to tread on us. Their plan is to tread on us. If I'm sitting on my five, six, seven, eight acres out in West Virginia, and I'm self-sustaining as much as possible, I grow my own food, I barter with neighbors, if I'm doing that, okay, but the government decides that because they're enforcing the laws of the technocracy. If the government decides that they don't want me growing food, then what they'll first do is pass a law, as is happening around the country in certain states, that I can't grow food. Okay, now they make it a crime. Now, I can't, it doesn't matter if I don't agree with that law, I can ignore the law. I don't want to get myself into trouble, but there are probably many laws that I do ignore. Uh, many of them unwittingly because there's so many laws. How do we even know what we're ignoring and what we're not ignoring at this point? So if they pass the law that says I can't grow food, then they decide they're going to use a governing body or a police force to come and enforce that or an administrative state soldier, as we've talked about with Halsey English on this show, utilizing the IRS or utilizing uh, other departments to send administrators out to come and file suits against you. Then they try to take your land using civil asset forfeiture, saying that you're violating the law. And if not that, we already know that they use geoengineering to poison the soil, poison the air, poison the water, and things like that. They could just crop dust you and kill all of your plants. Well, if we know that that's coming, and I'm not saying that's what's coming, but if we find documents proving that that's coming, then there's ways that we can work around that, no? Maybe we start building greenhouses. Maybe we start to figure out how to do more indoor growing. But if you don't know that that's coming, or you don't want to know that that's coming, then there's no way you can prepare in your life to work around that. And that's what I'm getting at. Okay, it's great to have the don't tread on me flag, but at the end of the day, their job, okay, their sickness deep inside them is about treading on you. Every day the planners get up 
and they work on plans inside of the think tanks to figure out ways to tread on you. And that's part of what we're breaking down here. Are there blueprints for treading? And then you can start to make educated decisions. You can start to put your own plan together of how you're going to evade them, how you're going to work around them, how you're going to avoid them as much as possible. But without understanding this stuff, without knowing what's coming, then you just end up dreaming and hoping and it's blind optimism that they're just going to fly over you and ignore you because you don't have a don't tread on me bumper sticker on your ford bronco like i said to this person if you want to own a gas car like i do an older car with no computer that's great but if they ban gas and shut down all the gas stations and you can't get gas anymore, guess what? They just tread on you. They forced you into a situation. And there's only so much gas you can store in cans in your garage or store underground in a hidden tank. There's only so much of that you can do. So the more we understand what's coming, the more we're able to prepare from a position of reality. We have to be realistic about this. Ladies and gentlemen, let me take a quick break. I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you're listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are about to go into war, you know, full combat, military operation war, or war in a boardroom, for instance, or you're about to go to war with your bank over your mortgage that you're trying to get, or you're about to go to war with your boss over the raise that you deserve. Any type of war that you're going into, if you're going down to buy a new car and a car, uh, car lot, and you have to deal with a sleazy salesman, don't you come armed with the information that you need? Don't you come there with the consumer reports? Don't you come there with the car faxes? Don't you come there prepared for war? Well, that's what we are doing here in part. Someone wrote me a really nice review and said this is like a master class in the technocracy. I appreciate that very much. Look, I'm learning a lot as I'm doing the show. I'm delving back into stuff I researched 5, 10 years ago. And having to update it sometimes on the fly with you guys. I mean, I look it over the night before. I spend three or four hours preparing. I put together the articles. And so I'm not just talking out of my butt. But I prepare to come on here for war. To educate you guys and prepare you for war. And that is what we're doing here. You cannot be talking about taking on your enemy or evading your enemy. You know, unless you understand the capabilities and the technology and tools of your enemy. And that is what is happening here. So I'm not talking down to anyone. Frankly, to be honest, um, to the gentleman on pain.tv slash gold, I would welcome you to come on. If there are people that think they have ideas, and I'm not looking to debate. I don't want this to be a debate show or a screaming match. 
I have uh, actually, I told you uh, briefly, a booker reached out to me who books, uh, you know, business types, entrepreneurs for podcasts. And they must have, I, I don't know, for some reason they reached out to me and they've got a couple guys in tech that have new products and they want to come on the show. And I thought long and hard about it. And I said, you know what? I will have them on the show because I think whatever they talk about will be of value to my audience. It may not be things I agree with. It may not be technologies that any of us even buy into, but what the heck let's bring, I can't, I can't ignore all of these people. I mean, if we want to expand our reach and our understanding of this technology, then let some of these people come on and speak. And then we can do an analysis show the day after and break down what was discussed. And so that's what I'm saying. You have to reach out and research this stuff that may be uncomfortable to you if you want to truly prepare for the war that these technocrats are bringing to your doorstep this is a war on humanity itself folks it's a war on humanity let me give you an example in my personal life uh of what what i talk about living one foot out of the matrix and so the last 10 15 years or longer, I've been skeptical of the government and of any of these sort of government-partnered, quote-unquote, private sector uh, industries. I've been very skeptical of the healthcare industry long before COVID. Folks, I will tell you this. I'm 41 years old, okay? I've been to a doctor's office, like an actual doctor's office, zero times zero times in the last um uh what what is that 23 years wow i feel old 23 years i've been to a doctor's office zero times i've been to a clinic like a walk-in pharmacy clinic where you just pay out of pocket 100 bucks or whatever uh, where I felt like at one point I had a tooth that had cracked and I felt like it was bit infected and I couldn't take it any longer. So I went to a clinic to hopefully get some antibiotics. And so I've been to a walk-in clinic three times, three times in uh, 23 years. A doctor's office, zero times. And I've gone to the hospital in... Uh, for myself in 23 years one time one time and i wouldn't have gone uh except i was kind of pushed into it so that's the type of person i am i avoid interactions with these industries that i do not trust and i do not want anything to do with so when i had met my uh, wife We had a long discussion, really, on probably the second date, all about if we were going to have a kid, uh, how we wanted to handle the birth, how we wanted to handle the education, uh, the raising of the child, the culture, the morals, the values we'd instill in them. Would we uh, bring religion into their upbringing and such? We had those kind of discussions because as two people who had already been through a divorce, um, you know, each of us had been through a divorce we wanted to get this one right as two people who wanted their own kids and it just did not happen with the first marriage we wanted to make sure we got this right and so that was part of what made us click is that we really wanted the same thing and she had a distrust of the medical industry as well even b- 
before uh, COVID and COVID land, the high school theater production, actually COVID for short, but uh, COVID is what's up on the big billboard in front of the, uh, in front of the high school COVID, the musical. And so, we had these discussions openly uh, because that was our biggest concern, you know. And so um, when we got uh, pregnant, when she got pregnant, we got pregnant because it was a joint effort. Uh, we went with exactly what we discussed. And we sought out a midwifery, uh, a group uh, it fluctuates between four and six ladies who run the midwifery, and they focus on home birth. Now, there are certain circumstances in which, uh, in the case of, say, a breech baby that they cannot deliver at home. Some of them they do. Uh, a situation where it's uh, the baby's going to be very premature or it's uh, late by at least four weeks, you know, they have to move into hospital situations due to their liability, due to their licensing and regulations that they're under. But for the most part, they try to do everything at home and with no drugs. I mean, if you don't want the typical pharmaceutical drugs. And so we went through an interview process with four midwiferies. We found the one that was right for us. And so again, I say, uh, if you're going to talk the talk, walk the walk. And this is how we made the moves to live one foot outside of the matrix in our own lives. And so one of the other big concerns was uh, vaccines. You know, are they going to take the baby? Is it going to be delivered? They're going to start jabbing it with vaccines. Are they going to force you into a situation two weeks later? You have to get all these other vaccines. We were in the process of doing further research on that. Um, I'm not going to get into that on this show. I'll wait until I'm able to bring one of them on to discuss this. But those were all concerns for us. And we went and addressed them with the uh, uh, right people. We got the answers. Uh, Some we agreed with, some we did not. And so the midwifery was willing to work with us on, uh, you know, on our birthing plan and and our... uh, our upbringing plan for our child, and so we went with them. And that's how we stepped outside of the hospital system. Now, they were 100% upfront at all times through this process on informed consent. They let you know, even before you give them a dollar, at what point they're going to have to use pharmaceuticals, at what point they're going to have to transfer to the hospital, what happens when they transfer to the hospital, how they continue to manage it once you get in there, uh, if it gets forced into CSEC, which the hospitals try to do a lot of times, what will happen in the operating room. And so that I've, I've learned so much from this process the last six, seven months. And so today we went to a picnic that they host every year for current customers, current clients, uh, patients, I guess you would say, but you don't feel like a patient when you're there. You really feel like family. And so they host this picnic, and then there's other people who come with their babies. There were some people we met that had three, four babies delivered by them over the last six, seven years. So it was a beautiful, beautiful event, and it was like stepping out of the matrix into the real world today. Now, we've been going to birth classes and have developed some friends there, uh, and then this, this event, we actually exchanged phone numbers with a number of people. It was, it was fantastic. But let me tell you a couple of things that I learned here, okay? Number one, I will say this group of people is such a family that there were uh, people who had a baby with them that came to the picnic who then donated 
all these extra supplies they had different size you know diapers and organic diapers and then uh, cloth diapers very expensive snap cloth diapers everything you could imagine a birthing pool like if you're doing a water birth which we're going to be doing uh hoses uh baby wipes all kinds of stuff that people donated back into this little family, into this community. And so I'm always really weird about taking free stuff. And they ended up, uh, we were the only ones there actually who are current uh, patients, uh, current clients. Everyone else had already had a baby and they're like, no, take it, take it. And the next thing you know, they're like filling our car with all of this stuff that, um, were things we didn't even really think of when we had the baby shower last week. And so we walked out of there with like $500 in free stuff from this community of people from this family. As we were all there, other than the midwives, we hadn't met any of these people before. And it was immediately everyone was talking about the home birth experience and having a natural birth and... um and uh, not using drugs and i mean it was so great and then there were a couple people we met who ended up having to be uh, transferred into hospitals so we got to understand the experiences from them so first off it was this community of people who came together who were like family within 10 minutes of being there that all came together around natural life, natural birth, the magic of life itself that I've been talking about as I've been warning you about the synthetic wombs. And so it was such a touching experience. Uh, it was amazing. I mean, really, it was amazing. It was one of these things. I don't, I don't really talk about a lot of exciting stuff here. Everything we get into is sort of dark, but I will tell you, if you can ever be part of a group like this, a family like this, a people that share these experiences, that want to have natural birth, that want to do it at home, that want to do it free of drugs, that want to be out of the hospital, you know, institutional setting, I suggest you go this route. Uh, when I get back, I'll explain the cost of this for anyone who is interested because, frankly, it's been worth every penny uh, that we spent, the investment that we made in the birthing process for my wife. But really, the two of us understand that that day is about this child you're bringing into the world the day is about them it's not about mom you want to make mom comfortable you want to make mom happy you want to make mom safe but at the end of the day you're bringing this baby onto planet earth and you want to make their first day on earth their first moments on earth surrounded by love surrounded by a natural environment not beaming down with lights and doctors with masks on and scalpels and everything else in their hands ladies and gentlemen when i get back we'll delve into that a little bit more and then jump right into dr charles morgan the third ladies and gentlemen i am dustin gold this is the dustin gold standard and you're listening to pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ugh. 
Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. I am Dustin Gold, and this is the Dustin Gold Standard, folks. Thank you for jumping over to Apple Podcasts, leaving a five-star review and a comment. I really appreciate that. It is helping tremendously. And to all you folks who join Payne.tv Gold to get the video-free, uh, I mean, the ad-free video version of this podcast and the Thomas Payne Podcast, we thank you for that. Commander Payne sent over um, some numbers. Going, wow, you had a lot of people sign up for both the Hotwire and the uh, premium subscription. So I really do appreciate that. Thank you, folks. It does help. And um, I hope you're enjoying that. We're working on a number of things, just bear with me, that I'm going to be doing over there as premium content. I'm just trying to work out, um, I don't know, Michael will eventually talk about it publicly, but he's been battling the technocrats behind the scene that control all the technology that we're forced to use to be able to broadcast the show and put out the podcast. So I'll let him talk about that. I won't get into that. But so some of the things I want to do over there, We've just had to hold off on while they're working on other stuff. It's a small staff. I mean, it's a little independent media company, so we're not backed by any big guys. We don't have any partnerships with anybody, so we are just working behind the scenes, but there's some premium stuff I want to start doing there and being able to do some live streams, and we're going to try to work out that tech over the next couple of weeks. But let me just tell you this. A couple of things, a couple pieces of intelligence that I picked up while I was at um this picnic of which i share stuff with you from our doula which is the woman we hired who's basically like a professional coach uh for my wife uh who works independent of the midwifery but i share stuff with you guys Uh, a couple of things one i met this fascinating fascinating woman who said she will come on the show she has been into homeopathy for 11 years she's got three beautiful kids and she now just uh the last year completed a course a professional course on homeopathy and she's looking at starting a consulting business within this natural life community so that is awesome to see that there are people alive and well right now that are delving deep into this natural world Uh, living one foot out of the matrix and now they're learning this stuff and they're going to bring it to more people so that's great and i said to her i will be your first client if you start the consulting business how about right now i will pay you for one hour of your time to give me the dummies course on homeopathy i've read a little bit about it over the years i know the basics but i said i want to get the dummies guide course of where to start and she said oh i will do that for free and i said listen I don't want you to do it for free. I want to be your first client. So you always remember me. So I said, you know what? Why don't you come on the show and you could discuss this and kind of launch your little consulting business when you're ready. And so fantastic woman, fantastic. I mean, just just brilliant and so um, she is going to come on i'm going to work that out uh second thing i wanted to mention 
Uh, I got in an in-depth conversation with one of our midwives who actually has a lot of experience. She's traveled around the world doing uh, midwifery services and was working out of Baltimore for, before she came and started working in this area with this group. And so we were talking about the synthetic wombs. And yes, folks, she was wowed about how much I knew that she did not know, which is pretty scary <laughs> that I would know more about this stuff. But if you've been taking the information that you've been gaining from this show the dust and gold standard and talking to friends and relatives about it i hope they're wowed that you know so much too because i think we're in the top one percentile now of people that know about synthetic wombs and designer babies but she was telling me they actually had a couple of clients uh, at the midwifery who came to them at first for consulting because they were doing the in vitro through a company like orchid biosciences that we reviewed here on the show where they were doing all this genetic testing on the parents and then fertilizing the various embryos in the petri dish and then testing those and then killing the ones that uh were going to have the most chance of of adopting some of the parents, you know, bad traits like irritable bowel disease, and then basically planting it back in them. But in the process, they were told by these mad scientists and engineers, these technocratic transhumanists, that they wanted to like schedule their c-section for 40 weeks out right and so they said what do you mean c-section they said oh yeah we're just going to use you as an incubator basically but you can't really handle growing that baby inside you so then we're going to remove it at a certain point which would be well before the 40 weeks and basically put the baby in an incubator to continue to be grown and so i said are you serious and she said yeah so a couple of them had come to us because they were freaked out by the attitude of the doctors and we said to them no you can grow the baby we can deliver it at home and so actually both couples ended up signing up with the midwifery to do the home birth even though they had to get the baby through in vitro but they said um it was kind of weird because these people that sort of went a designer baby route they actually picked some of the traits they wanted their baby to have then at home they also had all these like embroidered clothes with the initials of the baby everything was like already customized for the child and they said it was like kind of strange and she said to me i know what you're talking about where there's no like magic in it because it was so planned um it was like everything was planned down to the last you know tiny thread of a sock that the baby was going to wear so the point of that was that designer baby in vitro, you know, selecting embryos stuff is out there, uh, out in the real world. So when we're talking about it here, it's not just in article form. I mean, it's real. The other thing I wanted to mention, because we heard this from our doula, uh, who does training um, to people like us on if we have to deal with the hospitals, God forbid, um, how they operate, and they're immediately going to try to push you into a c-section and so we met a couple of couples that ended up in situations where they had to do a c-section because the baby was breached the midwives tried to deliver it but once basically the mom runs out of steam and they can't push or they can't turn the baby then the midwives uh they have to turn it over to the hospital so they bring it to the hospital and immediately upon arriving they say c-section and then the hospitals uh shut out 
the midwife and the doula. They don't let them in the C-section room. In some cases, the uh, spouse, the father or whatever is allowed in the operating room, but the doula and the midwives are shut out and basically pushed out of the situation. If you're delivering naturally in a birthing room, then generally they are allowed to stay. But if it goes C-section, they are not. And so you as the father like or me would be in the room really only having information based on what I've researched myself, which is probably more than, than most people. Um, but I'm not you know, some healthcare expert, I would rather have the doula or the midwife in the room because if the doctors were going to do something wrong or something terrible, they'd be able to step in and stop that from occurring. Okay. And then the last thing I wanted to mention was that uh, the cost of this for anyone who's interested, obviously I'm not shilling or promoting this midwifery service because they only operate within, you know, 25 miles of where we're located. But at the end of the day, it ended up costing us about $6,000, and then it was about $200 for the birthing pool that you rent from them uh, if you want to do a water birth, which is giving birth to the baby in water. And there's, if you read about it, there's a lot of benefits to the mom. There's buoyancy uh, because the mom is struggling with the muscles trying to hold up the belly at the same time the muscles trying to push out the child. And so in the water, you're more relaxed. The belly kind of floats so you don't have to worry about that and you're focused on the pushing. There's benefits for the baby as it comes out of this warm water inside the mom. Its first entrance into the world is into warm water. And so the baby generally does not take take a breath while it's underwater it has sensors in its nose so when it hits the air it takes its first breath so you're able to guide the baby out under the water and then bring it up into the air and there's a book that we had read written in the 1970s called birth without violence i'm going to actually read that book as a whole episode soon uh, because whether you're having a child or not it is a beautiful book and if everyone read it we'd probably live in a much more peaceful natural world so it was about six thousand for that and then it was a thousand dollars for the doula now our insurance we hired a company that the midwives recommend they take a few percentage points on it but basically they fight the insurance company and they try to recover money so we're told that we're possibly going to get back three four five thousand dollars of the six thousand dollars so if we don't though if we got nothing i would say it was the best investment i've ever made in my life because my wife is so comfortable she knows all the midwives no matter who ends up on call the day that she gives birth that comes to her house she's already built a friendship with them there's been uh, yeah one situation it wasn't an emergency where she had a question in the middle of the night and she's able to text them i mean we had three midwives one is a was a nurse uh, and then two other midwives and they were answering questions during the middle of the night so you can't get that from a doctor and uh, for that alone and the fact that they're going to do it in our home and that if we have to go to the hospital, they come with you and they are there to guide you through the whole process. Plus, they do about six weeks of uh, post-birth care. So they come and they help you with the baby. They check on it. And so it's been fantastic. Plus, all of the information I picked up that I share with you is intelligence from them. But even if I wasn't doing the show, I would learn so much. Plus, now this family, this community they introduced us to of all these people 
people that we are gaining knowledge from. I mean, priceless, really, priceless. So if you're looking at having a kid or your kid is looking at having a uh, giving birth to your grandchild coming up, strongly, highly recommend going and at least interviewing some of the midwifery services around you. Now, state by state, there's different laws and regulations, and so you'll have to work through that on your own. But if you have an opportunity to find a midwifery, I would ask questions in line with some of the things I just told you about uh, and see if they have the same sort of set of principles and values and morals and ethics that this group does. Again, folks, this is all about walking the walk not just talking the talk. This is all about being gold-pilled, which is bigger than the white pill. The white pill is actually admitting the black pill that all this horrible stuff is happening. But the white pill is that it doesn't matter. You could do something about it. And I've said the gold pill here, just creating a new name. But the gold pill is actually now getting off your butt and doing it. And that's what we've been focusing on. Farming this year, buying from only organic farms, sourcing our meat from the cleanest sources as possible, stepping out of the hospital institutional healthcare system into the midwifery, working with a group of people trying to meet people that we share the same values and principles and love of natural life. So that is all about walking the walk, folks. You can do it. It's not that hard. I've been doing it. My wife's been doing it. And uh, it has been one of the best feelings in the world to know that you can so quickly build a network of like-minded folks who are there to support you. Today, we exchanged phone numbers with a lot of people, and it was very amazing. All right, when we get back, Dr. Charles Morgan III. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.TV. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here, right here on Ping.TV slash gold, ladies and gentlemen. All right, one other thing before we start this video up on Charles Morgan III, old Chucky boy. Is that last night, folks, I was up until 3 in the morning. I couldn't sleep. I guess I'm getting prepared for the baby coming. But I couldn't sleep. And so I was doing a lot of research into the history of technocracy and trying to piece together some of the information that I've collected over the years and fill in the blanks and fill in some holes so that we could put this together into a multiple-part series coming up uh, in the next week or so. And so I found some fascinating uh, pieces uh, and some authors who've written about this over the years. I've reached out to them to see if I can get them as guests because I would much rather have a discussion with them than just review their papers. Uh, One of them told me he doesn't really speak publicly on the topic, but he wrote a great piece against the concept of uh, technocratic communism. And so What we found here, folks, is that there's different sort of iterations of technocracy. And technocracy generally, uh, as the term was coined, is ruled by scientists 
and engineers. And so what they want, what they believe is that sort of the the liberal democracy representative government is inefficient. And so scientists and engineers, uh, not elected, by the way, should rule over the planet in sort of a one world government. But they'll take it county by county if they can. They'll take it state by state. They'll take it country by country. And so they want the scientists and the engineers to rule over society and basically control the means of production, the means of distribution of goods to you and I, the means of labor. So they develop schedules to keep sort of uh, industry moving 24-7, and then they will be in charge of distributing uh, the goods. Yes, it sounds like communism, but it's run by the scientists and engineers. And everything is about streamlining society and making it equitable. And this goes back a 100 years. And so then there's been sort of concepts of technocratic communism, technocratic socialism, technocratic uh, populism. And they utilize populism, really, uh, which was popular through uh, Steve Bannon in modern years, uh, Donald Trump's chief advisor uh, for part of his presidency and his campaign, and so, and chief strategist. But populism they use because they try to gin up the people to say that the people are going to make the decisions, which ends the concept of representative government. Now, whether you agree with representative government doesn't matter. We'll get into this in a future show and talk uh, political ideology and philosophy. But the idea is to gin up the public and get them on board with their ideas, their needs, their wants being driven right into what would be then managed by the technocratic system. And so in populism, though, the will of the people only represents one will. Okay, so there's no more individualism. So the decision is made that the people's will is X, and then the technocracy, the scientists and engineers, and the technologies like artificial intelligence, robotics, and such that they use to implement that uh, will of the people is then put into motion. And so one of the big things that I'm looking at that no one has written about yet, and I've been writing about the last six months sort of in secret is this new uh, philosophy that I call technocratic transhumanism, which is going to be this rule uh, over the people utilizing artificial intelligence and prison planet technology, driving people into the metaverse, but run by these transhumanists who, one, are going to elevate themselves, as they believe, to a level of God's status, uh, that they will be these cyborg you know, creatures half living in the real world, half living inside of the cyber world, um, as Ray Kurzweil and the rest of them we've reviewed here talk about. And then the rest of the people are going to be turned into some sort of cyborg slave. And that only makes sense, okay, in the technocratic model, because everything is looked at from a standpoint of streamlining society, utilizing 
the technology developed by the scientists and engineers. And so if the scientists and engineers want to continue to streamline society, why would they not streamline humanity itself? They believe humans are inefficient and they always are looking to try to perfect and streamline. So this is where the concept of creating these transhumanists, transhumans, transhumans, the merger of man and machine only makes the system more efficient in their eyes. Do you understand that? It only makes the system more efficient in their eyes. So if the people are plugged in through what we reviewed called the Internet of Bodies uh, into the Internet of Things, which is all the smart devices, then the whole system in their eyes works in unison. And therefore, it's one technological system that the scientists and engineers can tweak you know, by their control panel, whatever it is that's going to control this system. And so last night I'm reading all these articles about the different philosophies over the years, and there's so many authors that have written about this, there's not one right answer. Everything is disjointed. It's not like there's one centralized command in the theory. But based on what I'm seeing now and the stuff we've covered here, is they're moving into this technocratic transhumanist model, which is going to be the merger of everything, which falls right into line with the World Economic Forum's Fourth Industrial Revolution, which is the merger of the physical, biological, and digital Digital worlds, And so that is the new technocratic empire they are trying to create. So it's this technocratic transhumanism. And so I'm going to be working on expanding this theory, this thesis I have, uh, based on the work we've already done and hundreds of shows I have planned into building this out and explaining it to you, because I just see that too many other people in this sort of niche that talks about this type of stuff may not be understanding or seeing the big picture. And then eventually uh, I may be able to, with this show, with the Dustin Gold Standard, maybe get at the seat at the table and be able to get some of these people on as guests and go on their shows and talk about this because I think it is important to try to understand where this is actually going. And if that's the direction it's going, um, there are people that you're going to be able to wake up with this message because there are people that are not going to agree with this. But I have to take all the work we've done and be able to boil this down into sort of, uh, let's say, Thomas Paine, right? Thomas Paine's common sense. So we have to have some abridged version of maybe a full book or this full series, this master class, whatever uh, that nice person wrote about this, because then we need a dummy's guide, you know, a 10-page manual on this is what the elites, this is what the power brokers are trying to build around us. Do you agree with this? If not, we need to speak out against it and at the same time work on being able to remove ourselves from this world that they're trying to build. And I will say, Within the community that we built, like I told you, this community we're forming, this family we're forming around us, even those people 
who are into homeopathy, who are into the natural birth, who are into, uh, you know, self-healing and everything, they don't even know what this is. Now, in their life, they're making moves to remove themselves from the system because they don't trust the system or they had bad experiences with the system, but they don't actually understand what the system is. I also believe there are a lot of people left that were uh, part of MAGA, were part of the Trump movement, that are people that say, don't tread on me, or people that scream about constitutional rights or liberty and freedom, but then they get drawn back into the system or trusting that there's someone in government who's going to save them, thanks to QAnon and other things like that, uh, other psychological operations, or they just want to sit back and hope there's a white knight coming who's going to rescue all of us, and I just don't think that's the case. But I do think we can pull those people onto our side and say, look, the reason why X, Y, and Z is going on, the reason why BLM, Antifa, this uh, really... Um, sort of extreme radical LBGTQ movement is going on. This is why Drag Queen Story Hour is going on. When it fits into the puzzle and you could explain to them this is moving towards the technocratic transhumanist model, then you're able to maybe start to get people to sit down and have a dinner conversation with you about this and maybe be able to pull them on to this side because you're able to explain it to them in 20 minutes instead of having to say there's this 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 and this and so i'm going to work on it because i don't see many other people trying to do it and if i can't boil this down then you know i I can't sit around and wait for other people to try to do it so that's a project i'm working on with a friend of mine that i told you uh might be writing a book and then we're going to um we're going to see if we can boil this down into a Thomas Paine common sense type of pamphlet. But that's big on my radar, folks, because we've been talking about all the different technologies. We've been talking about the different characters, the investors, the governments behind it, the money behind it. And now I'm going to start to show you the history of technocracy, the history of transhumanism, and then the merger of those two different ideologies and how they're becoming this technocratic transhumanist ideology, which is super dangerous because now it's gotten to the point where actually genetically engineering humans, you know, plants, animals, you know, Mother Earth and everything else. Once we get to the point where these guys DNA splice everything and we start actually having cyborgs walking around, to be honest with you, I don't know what happens at that point. I did just hear this fascinating story today at the picnic where the state of Maryland was working on some regulations that would have essentially stopped midwife home birth services. And so the midwife association went directly, they have a lobbyist who was terrible, so they went directly to the Amish community. And the next thing you know, the Amish community is sitting there saying, wait a second, we don't really get involved with politics. And they said, listen, if this happens, it's going to be almost illegal for you to give home births. And the next thing you know, boom, 300 Amish show up at the state house and they shut the whole thing down and the bill gets crushed. So it goes to show you there are natural lifers out there. There are people like the Amish living almost 100% outside of the matrix that were able to pull it off. So to the person who wrote to me about don't tread on me, the Amish did pull it off in that scenario. But again, if the government decides they're going to go full on and shut down the Amish, they could do that 
too. They are powerful. They have the laser zappers. They have the satellites. They have the geoengineering technology. They have access to our water supplies that they could poison in a moment. But that was a really exciting piece of news to pick up, and I'm going to look into that. We'll do a story on it. Okay, when I get back, we're all done with this stuff, folks. We jump right into Dr. Charles Morgan III. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you're listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, it is me, Dustin Gold. You're listening to pain.tv slash gold, and this is the Dustin Gold Standard. Yes, it is, folks. All right, all right, here we go. God bless the Amish, that's all I have to say. All right, let me just catch you back up quickly on Dr. Charles Morgan III. And I'm not going to go through the whole bio. We went through that. Two episodes ago, folks, that was on episode 38, excuse me, I just drank some tea and I've got the hiccups now, Um, but no, that was episode 38, if you want to go back and get his full bio, I'm just going to read you the short bio real quick, Dr. Morgan is a professor in the Department of National Security at the University of New Haven, uh, Henry C. Lee College of Criminal Justice and Forensic Sciences, Dr. Morgan is a forensic psychiatrist former intelligence officer yeah that's with the cia and neuroscientist the focus of his teaching is national security domestic and international intelligence analysis issues in deception and psychological operations okay psychological operations we're always told we're conspiracy theorists when we talk about these but they are real dr morgan is the director of the national security research laboratory at university of new haven and has grants from the united states government yes he works for the government his research is focused on enhancing the detection of deception and on improving the indirect assessments of human personalities he also helps pick people for elite um squads like the uh navy seals and such and so what we're watching right now is a lecture that dr morgan gave let's see it's called uh it's on neurology uh neurobiology and war and this was uh, a group of cadets and faculty at west point military academy about a range of topics including psychology neurobiology and the science of humans at war and so the first part that we reviewed with you he was going through uh brain interface technology like elon musk uh neuralink company that launched in 2016 but he was showing that the scientists back in 2008 i believe it was um installed a brain chip inside of a monkey and had it doing the same experiments that elon musk showed publicly in like 2020 they were doing it back in 2008 and then in 2013 they implanted a brain chip inside of a paraplegic human 
and manipulated his mind and had him controlling a robotic arm with his mind. And if you remember yesterday in the Super Soldier program stuff that we were covering, specifically a video that I showed you, it was a four-minute clip from Dr. Adam Henschke, and he's a big national security expert, and he was talking about the ability to augment humans by installing uh, like robotic arms and stuff that make them more powerful. So as I keep telling you, don't let them tug at your heartstrings. Try not to fall into that trap. I know it's hard because you're a human and you love people and you're probably good-natured, but the end goal is not to give paraplegics arms so that they can hug their children. The end goal is that they are building cyborgs. Okay, they are building cyborgs utilizing military men, veterans of the United States military as guinea pigs, as well as people in the general public as Elon Musk is actively recruiting every day now. Uh, for human trials for the Neuralink brain chip. And I told you his job is to normalize and humanize and basically launch the adoption campaigns into the public based on technologies that the government was developing uh, way before Elon Musk, the real-life Tony Stark Iron Man, had them in his possession. All right, let's pick right back up where we left off, off in uh, episode 38, I believe it was. So what you're seeing is people struggled with how to get the electrodes on the surface of the brain, how to do the brain learning. The computer algorithms have improved. This is by trial and error as it begins to recognize what the subject's brain is doing. But after that, if you look at that as a scientific development in medicine, you can quickly see the possibilities that emerge. Okay, so if you remember, this is where we left off. He was showing the video of the paraplegic who had the brain chip put inside of his brain to control the uh, Terminator arm, right, using sort of a mind pong uh programs similar to what elon musk macaque monkey did with the monkey mind pong and so now this guy is talking to a room full of cadets and staff at west point and he's smiling after showing the video of this paraplegic having a robot arm and he goes imagine imagine the possibilities he didn't say oh isn't that heartwarming right didn't tug at his uh, heartstrings he said imagine the possibilities okay this is where we're picking up right where we left off right they're playing with motor function and linking it to thought so the next step really when you think about it was to um, simultaneously try it with uh, another another non-human animal and find out if she could run a robot on the other side of the planet. And the okay, okay. So, you hear what he said now? He's got a um, slide up on the screen. It says, body is like a water bubble. And if you remember correctly, uh, I mean, if you remember... He had uh, mentioned this in the episode 38 piece. If you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. I believe it's the second half of the show we get into this video. And so now he's talking about can they implant this brain chip into an animal that can control a robot around the other side of the world. The essence of this experiment is at first she had to walk on the treadmill to keep the robot walking that she could observe on the computer screen. And then she just stopped walking and it would run the robot in Japan. So you can have a brain here in the United States plugged in, running a robotic device, a mechanical device via the Internet somewhere else in the world. Okay, so 
let me point this out to you because it's very clear. This is a teaching moment here. For any of you who think I'm a heartless ass, (laughs) I told you that this is not about giving a paraplegic a set of robotic arms so that he can hug his child for the first time. He is a guinea pig for these Frankenstein doctors. So let's say you were able to give him these robotic arms that he could hug his child with. Then the next step would do make them work better, more efficiently, be able to uh, complete more tasks, you know, that your real life arms and hands can do. And then you'd skin them with a prosthetic silicone with hairs punched in, you know, like a Hollywood makeup artist. Uh, There are prosthetic uh, makers in the health industry that do this. And you make them look beautiful like real arms. And then you repaired the guy. He's as real as he's going to be, right? But now, what do they do next? Simultaneously, they start working on, oh, can we put a brain chip inside of a human to control a robot on the other side of the world well what the hell does that have to do with giving a paraplegic metal arm so he could hug his child why would you now want a brain chip inside a human's head that can control some kind of a robot uh, probably a killer robot because i don't think they're going to have me sitting here in the state of maryland controlling a robot in japan that makes sushi for people all right so just think about it think of think of the leap they just made these are the scientists and engineers this is why i just brought this up to you about the technocratic transhumanist ideology everything to them is about streamlining humans shall not get in the way ethics shall not get in the way morals shall not get in the way mother nature shall not get into the way The creator shall not get in the way. God shall not get in the way. Natural life shall not get in the way. No, no, no. Everything is about streamlining. So you've got these scientists and these engineers. Many of them have no morals or values. Many of them atheists. And I'm not saying, you know, look, again, I'm not pushing Christianity or anything. I'm just saying when you have zero respect for any sort of higher power, any sort of intelligent design, any sort of creation, creator. This is where you go with it, folks. Everything is a science project to them. Everything is re-engineering everything because they believe they are the gods, and so everything has to be re-engineered to their vision, to their worldview. Everything is this endless progress this is the disease of progressivism but it will move to the point where they progress to the level of the engineering of humanity out of existence when you put these type of progressive mentality people in charge of a county a town they always keep pushing growth 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 why do they want everything to be like new york city till you get to the point of new york city and then they say wow this is overpopulated it's disgusting now we can't have cars now we have to have trains now we're going to have people live in their apartments and never leave everything's going to be remote see their progress there's no end goal in mind it's just this continuing progress to socially engineer then scientifically engineer biologically engineer 
everything to the point where the natural world no longer exists because these God wannabe hackers, hijackers, and pirates continually work to engineer natural life out of existence because in their mind, in their sick minds, natural life is not perfect. Natural life is not streamlined. Natural life leaves too much open to question. And they, the scientists, want to engineer the outcome. And this is where Dennis Bushnell, the chief scientist of NASA in the last 40 years, says, we have entered the phase of the human evolution of humans, in which we humans will hijack our own natural evolution and try to steer the direction. But the direction is going to be the end of humanity. This is why I keep telling you this. You cannot let these scientists and engineers be in charge because they're only looking at whatever their version, their lab version of perfection is, streamlining humanity out of existence. So that was pretty cool. It also has some fun implications. If you see now, where do you imagine this going when you think of it as an offensive or defensive opportunity with respect to the intelligence community? The natural segue then would be, if I can send motor function from a brain to a mechanical arm, is it possible to send motor functions from one human to another human? Okay, okay, pause there for a second. I'm sorry, this is going to take a while to get through, but this is important. This is very, very important. He says, after looking at the test of putting a brain chip inside an animal that can control a robot around the world... He says now, from an intelligence perspective, we look at that as offensive or defensive, right? So how can we defend with it? How can we go on offense with it? All right, This is what a guy like him is trained to think about. And now he's saying, if we can utilize this brain interface to control the uh, prosthetic arms that we give to the amputee to hug his child and then we can progress to putting a brain chip in an animal who can then control a robot halfway around the world well what's the next level of perfection folks how do we streamline this further how do we make this more perfect for us for us mad scientists well then he says can we use this technology to control someone else let's listen to this one more time it also has some fun implications if you see now where do you imagine this going when you think of it as an offensive or defensive opportunity with respect to the intelligence community the natural segue then would be if i can send motor function from a brain to a mechanical arm is it possible to send motor functions from one human to another human listen to that there you go folks engineering mind control from one human to another human. All right, that's complex. Think about it for a moment. It falls in line. Remember, we did Elon Musk a while ago. That stuff was a little easier than this. But he talked about the ability to transfer data packets back and forth between humans without them having to talk. So now we're seeing one of the government-backed actual scientists, actual engineering types here, Right, This guy involved with military technology who's funded by the government going through this stuff 
in more depth in a creepier fashion than Musk on Joe Rogan, where he laughs about it, giggles about it, smokes a joint, and drinks some whiskey. So just absorb this, the ability for a human to control another human. All right? Think about the possibilities of what that looks like. Think about some scenarios in which maybe you've seen this happen before. Maybe it's happened already. All right? Just absorb that. Think about it. I will pass some data on to you. Sit tight, folks. This is my brain talking to you. Sit tight while we take a quick break. I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv slash gold, and I am your host, Dustin Gold. All right, folks, I hope you absorb that. Humans controlling other humans through mind control (laughs) i would say we would call that mind control folks all right let's jump right into this here we go dr charles morgan the third so i call it the possession experiment oh he calls it the possession experiment and he's got uh for those of you um wow so for those of you not watching the video The photo that he has up on the projector screen is a person's head tilted backwards, okay, with the mouth open, and then there is a hand, like a Freddy Krueger hand, coming out of the person's mouth, which is forward over the person's eyes, and they're like gripping their forehead, and he calls this the possession experiment, and now, just think about this for a moment. This gentleman is a professor at the University of New Haven, formerly with Yale University, former CIA for a number of years, helps select basically Navy SEAL special operators, and he's lecturing cadets and staff at West Point Military Academy. And now he's going to talk about the possession experiment. Here we go. And the, the video, he's getting the video rolling here. It's on it's that one, yeah. Just to hover the... Uh, there. So now it says, body is like a water bubble. Possession. There you go. Right there. All right. For our weekly tech report. Now, do you know the phrase brain power? Well, it turns out that scientists at the University of Washington are trying to hone that power and transmit it to another brain. Researchers call it direct brain to brain communication, and they do it by passing a signal from one mind to the next using the internet nonetheless. So does it sound a little sci-fi, Star Trek mind meld, Jedi mind trick inception-esque to you? Well, it did to me too. So I brought one of the researchers onto the show to tell me how it works. Dr. Andrea Stoko is an assistant research professor at the University of Washington, and he told me why this concept is not as weird as it sounds. 
Oh, uh, it's not so science fiction. We use uh, current existing technologies to read uh, the brain patterns in a person and uh, to transmit them to another different person. Okay, okay. So this is uh, this is a video, an interview that was on RT. Okay, and so this guy is a PhD, and he is talking about reading the brain patterns and then transmitting them to another human, reading the, the brain patterns from one human transmitting to another human. And we can only do it with very simple uh, impulses right now, like muscle commands to control the hand, for instance. So it's not that science fiction. It was definitely possible years ago. It's just that we were the first to try it. Sure. So can you go into a little bit more detail about how specifically it works, what you need from the person, and also what you need from mm -hmm. wireless internet to, to make it come together? Okay, so hold on. So you heard what he said. He said this was technically possible before, but they were the first ones to try it. Now, I, I don't necessarily believe that, but let's just go off of what he says. He said that they were the first ones to try it. And so what they're doing is they're trying to utilize one person's brain power to basically control the hand of another person. And so she asked him sort of to explain the internet signal and such needed to actually make this happen. Yes, uh, it works more or less like this. A person is sitting on a chair, and we call this person the first brain or the sender, and is connected to an EEG cap. The EEG cap detects electrical activity all around the brain and is capable of recognizing when the brain patterns are those that a person produces when he's... Okay, are you understanding this? So he's got one person sitting in a chair, they're called the sender, and he has an accent, so that's why I'm just stopping this for a minute. So he's got the sender sitting in a chair with a brain cap on, and it's reading the signals of his brain. He's trying to move the right hand, or he's thinking about moving the right hand. His brain patterns are interpreted by a computer who then controls a second computer who is connected over the internet, and the second computer actually uh, controls a stimulating coil that produces a magnetic field. And it's the magnetic field that is eventually directed over the head in such a way as to reproduce the particular command in a selected part of the brain. <clears throat> in this case, the part of the brain that controls the right hand. The okay, so basically what he's saying is he's got these two guys, the sender and the receiver, and then they're transferring the brain pattern, the reading from the sender, over to the receiver and then the computer's interpreting the move and then sending the signal to the receiver. Let's see uh, what else he says here. Wireless connection enters only in the communication between the two computers. The two computers can be in the same room and connected physically or they can be in any part of the world and talking to each other through the internet. So I won't, you can watch the video, but essentially what's happening is when one person is playing the video game, they're not using their hands. They're simply looking at targets. What's going on in the other room is a transcranial magnetic stimulation device that creates a magnetic field that excites neurons. And it's the other man's hand that begins to move. And it's... Okay, you hear this, folks? So they have the... Uh, let, let, let's just go back, because... Let's get this down. This is a piece of technology that I've got to write down here. Computers can be in the same room and connected physically, or they can be in any part of the world and talking to each other through the internet. So I won't, you can watch the video, but essentially what's happening is when one person is playing the video game, they're not using their hands. They're simply looking at targets. What's going on in the other room is a transcranial magnetic stimulation device. Transcranial electronic stimulation. You got transcranial 
electronic stimulation device. And so the, that's sending the signal from the sender. Like if I was going to control you, I would have on the cap, I would say move right hand or whatever I'm thinking. It goes to my computer, then it's going to send that signal through the internet, go through the other computer, and then go down into the transcranial electronic stimulation helmet that you're wearing that then is going to control your hand. Ice that creates a magnetic field that excites neurons, and it's the other man's hand that begins to move and hits the targets. So you've co-opted the portion of a body of another human and then their hand can behave in the way that you want it to do. His goal, you'll see later if you download the video, is he would like to have a cap that you could put on and have a surgeon direct your hands to do battlefield surgery or something somewhere else in the world where they don't have a doctor who has the technical skills you can put on the cap and your hands become an extension of that expert's body. Pause, 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 pause. Okay, there you go, folks. Again, tugging at the heartstrings, right? So how many situations are occurring in the world in which there is not a doctor to perform an operation? So let's just say we're in, uh, I don't know, somewhere in Africa, and a guy in a loincloth with a spear Okay, nothing wrong with that. I like it, actually. I'm thinking of moving there and joining that natural world. He's hunting a lion, and the lion jumps out of the bush, and it bites the man. And so now the man is laying there in the field, and he's bleeding. The lion leaves at this point. The lion is not interested. He realizes, ah, that guy doesn't taste too good. Uh, he tastes like lion because he eats lion. And so now there's no one there to perform this surgery on him. So guess what they have in the hut? They have a transcranial electronic stimulation device hooked up to a special computer plugged into the internet. And so now a wonderful doctor, I don't know, Abe Greenberg or something. Dr. Abe Greenberg is in New York City. And so Dr. Abe Greenberg, he is sitting at home in his indoor pool in his Skyrise apartment in the Upper West Side of New York City. And so Dr. Abe Greenberg puts on his transcranial electronic stimulation cap. He fires up his supercomputer, and he makes sure he has a steady Internet connection. And then he begins to operate with his hands while controlling the hands of the witch doctor in Africa who's performing surgery on this poor gentleman who was bitten right where his loincloth was, by the lion and so that's why we have to develop this type of technology because we are the transhumanist technocrats we are the scientists and the engineers and we want to be able to save everyone and dr abe greenberg should be able to sell his services on fiverr.com performing genital surgery from anywhere to anywhere in the world via the transcranial electronic stimulation device. I hope you got that, folks. That was a commercial. Uh, use my promo code GOLD over at transcranialelectronicstimulationdevice.com. <laughs> I'm kidding, folks. I'm kidding. But you see how this works? 
This is how they humanize the technology by telling you that's what it's going to be used for. Now, what comes into my conspiratorial mind? I don't know. Were there any mass school shootings that happened where someone somehow was being sent mind control brainwaves through some transcranial stimulation device? electronic stimulation device somewhere in the middle of a high school maybe they were mind controlled i don't know and the next thing you know they're shooting up a school but it's really some navy seal in a bunker somewhere pulling the trigger with his mind not the kid i don't know maybe stephen paddock in las vegas i'm not saying this happened i'm saying these are the kind of things if i was this man dr charles morgan and i just happened to stumble upon the video of the gentleman from university of washington talking about the transcranial electronic stimulation device to be used in operations from a doctor to a novice all around the world, the first thing I would be thinking if I was a mad scientist psychopath like him is, yeah, how could we use this in nefarious ways? Because after all, that is his job. That is why the United States government employs him to come up with sick, sadistic things to do with this Frankenstein technology. Ladies and gentlemen, I am going to take a break. I've got to think about this for a minute before we come back because this kind of stuff starts to make me explode inside and i need to send some brain signals out to a friend of mine where he can lift a beer and drink it because i don't drink alcohol right now ladies and gentlemen i'm dustin gold this is the dustin gold standard and you're listening to pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash Gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard. And you are listening to Pain.tv slash gold. Folks, have we not entered the world of weird? The world of weird. Some of this stuff reminds me of like Art Bell with Coast to Coast. But no, folks, this is very real. This is what our government is hard at work doing. This is what the technocratic transhumanists are working on, folks. Just the ability to control a human using a human mind through a transcranial electronic stimulation device soon to be downsized to the Neuralink brain chip. Let's jump right back in to Dr. Charles Morgan III. The uh, fine motor skill manipulation at that point in time was not great, um, but the person on the receiving end described the sensation as rather odd. said, I didn't know anything until I saw my hand beginning to move and felt that it was something other. And its hand was moving, hand could punch in a code hand could do a number of things. But the really fun part was that you're taking over somebody else's physical body with the mind of another human. Uh, Do you hear this, gentlemen? Folks, this guy is employed by the government. He has government contracts. He's former CIA. He picks Navy SEALs. He said, the really fun part, the really fun part was controlling someone else's physical body with someone else's mind. Okay, if his job is to assess the dangers of technology developed by 
rogue states or rogue actors or rogue hackers or rogue brainiacs at universities, he would be saying what I'm saying. And he would have said, this is dangerous, cadets. We need to stop this. We need to go take out this mad scientist at University of Washington. He said the really fun part. And I told you, he had that really creepy image up on the screen with somebody's head tilted back and a hand coming out of it like Freddy Krueger in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, like with the fingers gripped into the forehead and covering the person's eyes. And then he laughs. He says, wow, the really fun part. Do you understand? I know you do. I know you do. I don't want to sound like I'm talking down to you, but do you understand the dangers of being ruled and governed and controlled and corralled by the scientists and the engineers, the technocrats, now the technocratic transhumanists, because it's not just about controlling through technology, it's now the controlling through technology merged in with us, the merger of man and machine, the cyborg super soldier program, These are the bureaucratic guys that the government is hiring. Other bureaucrats are hiring to develop this sick stuff. The really fun part, folks. The really fun part was controlling another human's physical body with another human's mind. Yes. Really fun, ladies and gentlemen. Really fun. Let's continue. So what do you think would be the next step? You follow medical research, you say, you can make a robot move, you can make a human hand move, Um, what would you do next? What would you do next? Dude, I would arrest you, okay, and I would lock you in an insane asylum with my own hands. I don't even have to beam that signal to another person via a transcranial electronic stimulation device I would gladly do it myself. In the, if, if I was the ruler of this uh, country, people like this would be locked away as an endangerment to society. I don't know. We could give him one of those like Lego mine kits, and he could sit around and build robots all day in his prison cell in his padded room because these kind of people are absolutely nuts. I told you. They take it step by step by step until the point in which the progress they are making engineers humanity out of existence. This is what I'm talking about. You're seeing this guy's thought process in real time. This is his presentation that he gave to the government. The government paid him for this. All right. Does the government going to pay me to come in and give these kind of presentations? Because I would love to do it. I would say all of you are crazy. If you want to help the planet... Build a technological prison around the Capitol and don't let yourselves out of it. (laughs) I mean, seriously, folks. All right, let's continue. God, it's Saturday night. This is driving me crazy. I'm not going to be able to sleep now. You say, wow, they're getting brains connected to run things. You have to begin to think either like doctors or like, uh, you know, security and intelligence people, right? Can you? Yeah, security and intelligence people, wackadoodles actually send and receive sensory information like the matrix like the matrix there you go can you send and receive sensory information like the matrix and so 
when some of you, I know you're out there, that say to me, Dustin, you have the Matrix clip at the beginning of the show, basically Morpheus saying they're going to turn humans into batteries. And you've covered the Matrix here. You know, this is just sci-fi. It's not so the own government people say this. Elon Musk said we're going to be able to transfer intelligent data packets back and forth uh, like the movie The Matrix. We're going to be able to upload a program to speak another language within a matter of minutes like in the movie The Matrix. And then we're going to evolve to the point where we don't have to speak. We can just transfer data back and forth looking at each other. I mean, they're the ones who say this, folks. They're the ones who say it. That's why I say, look to what they say. They are funded with unlimited money to do this stuff. They operate on no ethics or morals. You are a good-natured person. You do not want to believe there is evil out there. The people that get this level of power and wield this much influence are not good-natured people. They're not good-natured people. They want to engineer humanity out of existence. That is the natural conclusion to what they want to do, where they're going with this. Watch him. He's going to continue this madman. I'll show you a little bit of this experiment. The short answer is yes. So this one is called Mind is Like a Mad Monkey. So remember, he's showing the bubble... And then he's showing the mad monkey. So now we're getting into mind is like a mad monkey. All right, he's playing the video now. We were able to transmit brain-derived information from one rat to another. And basically got this pair of animals collaborating to solve. Now this is a doctor, uh, Miguel Nicolelis over at Duke University tactile and motor tasks. You know, there's a behavior box where the first animal is located and this animal is called the encoder because he's the one who does all the work. He's basically using his forepaws or his whiskers to perform either a motor or a tactile discrimination task. And while he's doing that, we are monitoring uh, its behavior and recording the brain activity that is being produced by this animal's brain and transmitting in real time all these uh, electrical signals to a second animal that is called the decoder. Well, this animal has the... Okay, let's pause for a second here. So these are, he's referring to the person, the animal doing the work as the encoder, and then the animal on the other side as the decoder, okay? So the encoder and the decoder, where before we had, what was it, the sender and the receiver, when it was in the place of the humans wearing the transcranial electronic stimulation helmets. Okay, so now he calls it the encoder and the decoder. Very similar to when I showed you guys about how deep fake video works, where you have the source video of, say, Barack Obama, and then the target video that you want to go and manipulate. So this is the encoder and the decoder. Key job of not having to do anything for getting a reward. The only thing it has to do is to receive this brain activity uh, into its own brain and then decode the pattern of information that the encoder has generated and indicate to us, uh, as through behavior, what it is that the first animal has discovered out there in the environment. So if the decoder gets it right, both animals get a nice uh, juicy reward. And that's- they get a nice juicy reward, a nice juicy reward. And what do humans get 
if uh, I am going to encode my actions, send them over to you in the audience. Let's pick somebody out there. Mike. Hey, Mike, how are you? Uh, and so you're going to decode the actions that I send to you that I'm encoding. And so then uh, we're going to get a nice juicy reward. I guess the juicy reward that we get is a paycheck. Okay. That's how they reward humans for doing horrible, terrible things. All right. I'm going to back this up a second and let this play through. What it is that the first animal has discovered out there in the environment. So if the decoder gets it right, both animals get a nice uh, juicy reward. And that's what they want. And that's how they collaborate to actually get this job done. Uh, here you see in the next slide, uh, encoder animal waiting for a light stimulus that tells the animal which of two levers he has to press. Okay, so up on the screen, I just want to tell you, this is the slide from this doctor from Duke University. And so this slide says, motor information transmission through a brain-to-brain -brain interface. Okay, so that's like Elon Musk Neuralink brain chip. To get a little bit of uh, a water sip. And the light says either press left or the right lever. So when the animal gets the light and is about to press the lever, we record the activity, electrical activity, from lots of cells in the motor cortex of this animal and instantaneously transmit this information to the brain of a second animal that is in another box and cannot see the light and cannot see what the first animal is doing. Okay, so let me just explain to you, because if you're in the audio-only audience, you're not seeing this. So basically, there's two boxes. So you have animal one, who's the encoder, and animal two, who's the decoder. All right, now, if they're going to get this right, they're going to get a sip of water, or whatever reward this psycho is going to give them. And so the animal one in front of them has, there's two lights, it looks like, and then there's a lever that can move left or right. So if the left light lights up, the animal has to push the lever to the left, okay? Well, the animal on the right, uh, the decoder, is getting the signal from the brain of the encoder that's transferring over to the decoder. The decoder doesn't see any light, okay? You got it? All right. This is the decoder, and he's receiving this information through very tiny little pulses of electrical activity that are delivered to the homologous part of the brain that the encoder is using to solve the task. So as the decoder gets this information and basically decodes the brain pattern originated in the encoder's brain, it responds to us behaviorally by pressing one or the other uh, lever to tell us that he got it right or not. Okay, so do you understand that? So what's happening now is the encoder does the action or thinks about the action, and then that action is transferred through the brain chip, all right, into the decoder's brain, and then the decoder moves the lever on his side. They're in two separate boxes. So he moves the lever on his side, meaning that he received the signal from the encoder, and then he goes and does the action. I know that's a lot to take in. It's real. It's right there. Think about it over this break, folks. I mean, just think about the possibilities. Think like a psychopath. I told you, I try to put myself into the mindset of a psychopath when I try to figure out what they're working on, what the goal is in the future. 
You have to think like an evil person. Then multiply that times a thousand percent because you can't actually think like a psychopath if you're not one. And so put your mind into the mindset of Dr. Charles Morgan III and what that government psychopath is thinking he can do with this kind of technology. Think on that, folks. We'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, I am going to control your thoughts, control your mind. Right now, you're just going to sit there and listen to the rest of this episode, ladies and gentlemen, because you are learning a lot. So I just controlled your mind with my thoughts and my words. All right, let's get right back into this. So I hope you understand that, you grasp that. They're now able to transmit this data uh, from this one mouse to this other mouse, the encoder to the decoder, and then the decoder performs the action that the encoder was thinking about, all right? So it's showing and it's proving that they can hack a mind. They can hack a mind. Now you know why Yuval Noah Harari calls us hackable animals. And someone the other day on Twitter sent me something saying, you know, we're, we're smarter, we're this, we're that, they can't hack us. If I didn't believe that they could hack us, I wouldn't be wasting my time doing this show. I fear these people, folks. This is the type of stuff I fear. I don't fear getting nuked by Russia. If that's supposed to happen and these crazy people are going to make that happen, then it's going to happen. What I fear is what's coming over the next three, four, five, ten years with these psychopathic scientists and engineers running this technocratic transhumanist society. That's what I fear. Honestly, I fear this. This is the type of stuff I have nightmares about. All right, let's continue. So it took some learning trials, but not many. It took 75 between them to achieve an accuracy rate of over 85% in just training their rats for a little while in the cages. But this was a milestone because it was not simply using the motor cortex to run a device. This was actually having one animal learn something and seeing and recording that activity and put it into the sensory cortex of the second animal and that animal acquires the knowledge. Okay, do you understand that? So what he's saying is it was different than just transferring the data, that actually what happened is they were using the encoder, mouse one, to learn a behavior, and then it's transferring that to the decoder, and then that animal, the decoder, is actually learning and being trained by the mind of the encoder. All right, let's continue. It is able to act on the knowledge from the experience of, for something it has not ever done. Which is really fun when you think about it. Uh, with which is really fun when you think about it. This guy loves this stuff. Okay, again, former CIA loves this stuff. Let me back it up a second. We'll play this through. From the experience of, for something it has not ever done. 
which is really fun when you think about it. Uh, would this facilitate language learning? Would this let you upload information when you don't know how to operate a device? Does it serve well for covert communication? This is done between two rats. What we do know um, is that DARPA did get permission for 500 um, operations to do deep brain electrode implants. They haven't published anything yet, but my guess is what you're looking at is human-human thought transference. And certainly in the open science world, that was published uh, last month. Actually, the brain-to-brain -brain transfer of sensory information in two humans. Okay, okay, okay. I need to roll that back because I want you to hear it again. He packs a lot of information in there, but he's saying that DARPA got permission to do this, okay, in humans, he believes, which means it's true. He knows exactly what it is. And so, and then he's saying in the open science world, so the open science world is Elon Musk, okay, is Peter Thiel. The things they talk about publicly would be open science. The closed science, right, the limited uh, uh, hangout there, the limited group is the dark budget stuff, what they develop out of DARPA, what they develop in secret at these universities under government programs, and then later released through the open science through people like Musk, and then they release on Wired Magazine and such. Let's just go back and so you can hear it all. They're well for covert communication. This is done between two rats. What we do know um, is that DARPA did get permission for 500 um, operations to do deep brain electrode implants. Deep brain electrode implants. Okay, that's basically like the Neuralink brain chip. They haven't published anything yet, but my guess is what you're looking at is human-human thought transference. And certainly in the open science world, that was published uh, last month. Actually, the brain-to-brain -brain transfer of sensory information in two humans, and they achieved a success rate of being right 85% of the time. Okay, so he's saying in the open science world, again, this is back in 2018, that they had published a month before he gave this lecture that, uh, and let's see, just so you know, I want to be accurate here. This lecture was on June 15th, 2018. So he's saying in May of 2018, the open science world had published that they had been able to pull it off in humans with 85% accuracy. So you can attach one human brain to a device. You can attach the human brain to another human brain. You can direct motor activity, or you can send communication and information. What we Okay, so what he's saying now, you got all that, right? So you can connect the brain to robotics. You can connect the brain to robotics around the world. You can send information between the brain so that the brain can... Uh, uh, move the physical body of another human being, and now you can actually send basically training material between two brains. No, from the training trial data so far is that it probably requires, uh, it'll probably require a training trial between people as well. And we don't know from an encryption and encoding standpoint um, whether everybody's communication would follow the same patterns or not. It may be that two people have to train and then it's unique and then you have a, yeah, a decryption problem for someone if they decide they can intercept the signal. Right? That would be but you could plug in somewhere else in the world and learn something or see something or have somebody acquire the information that you have and you wouldn't have to carry a different device. Okay, do you understand all that? So now they're talking about encryption. They're talking about pirating and hacking. Uh, once they hook people up with this, can it be pirated and a different signal be sent? Do you see what they're doing? They're creating the problems, folks. If this wasn't being developed, if the psychopaths weren't working on this, 
If these guys were focused on natural life and delivering babies at home free and clear of the hospital, it would be a much more peaceful world. But instead, DARPA is funding people like this guy and the other people uh, who were in the Cyborg Soldier 2050 paper I started to review for you to build this Frankenstein technology And then this guy goes in front of cadets at West Point Military Academy coming in there like Dr. Frankenstein saying, isn't it fun that we can manipulate the human mind? And I don't know, it could probably get hacked, but there's going to be some kind of encryption that goes on. I mean, does this raise the hairs on the back of your neck? This stuff is, if you haven't heard this before, I mean, this is, I mean, when we're looking for the boogeymen, Behind the curtains, I mean, do we need any more boogeyman other than this guy and Elon Musk and Peter Thiel? The guys who just say it right out in the open, folks. We get distracted about whether or not, uh, you know, we came from Tataria or if Bigfoot's running around in the woods. When these mad scientists are the boogeyman, folks, these are the bad guys. These are the ones working to hack humanity. And eventually engineer it out of existence. Let's continue with this madman. So that's what people are doing. There's a whole world out there of biohacking. I don't know if you're aware of it, but you should be. So normally at the university, we are well regulated by the uh, uh, federal laws about studying and experimenting on humans. There's a biohacking community that is not part of the official science community. Okay. Okay. So there's a biohacking community that is not regulated by the official science community. As he said, uh, the stuff they do at the University of New Haven, he is regulated, uh, you know, by whatever, the government. As if these guys that are regulated by the government and the military and the DOD, funded by them, are not biohackers. So the biohackers are the people doing this in their garages, in their basements, but the guys that are well-funded with billions upon billions of dollars to build transhumanist technocratic technology for the United States government are not the biohackers. No, they're the good guys. Oh, they're the good guys, folks. They are the good people. They love you. Oh, they love me. Dr. Charles Morgan III loves me and he loves you. Up on the screen, he now has a uh, photo it says uh, chlorine e6 ce6 administered to the eyes conferred night vision and allowed humans to see over 160 feet in the dark let's continue that is busy trying to attach hardware to humans and they do it in their basements Uh, they study up on how to do the surgeries how to connect devices how to put motherboards in people um and they may use it for some purposes, like phishing, using RFID signals in their hands to take information from you. But uh, there are some other interesting developments when you start thinking. Okay, okay. So what he just mentioned there was about these biohackers that, okay, so he said having an RFID chip reader in your hand. So basically, you have... This is a long story, and I don't know if I want to get into it, but I did a lot of research on this a few months back due to a friend of mine who was uh, hacked and had money stolen out of their savings account. And so 
Part of the research I did was on RFID chips located inside of your credit and debit cards, all right? So when you go to the store and you tap your card uh, on what you'd normally stick your chip in or you used to swipe your card, when you tap, all right, there's an RFID chip inside of the card. And so these hackers, what they do is they develop these RFID chip readers. And so... I found uh, a forum online with a guy who had a blueprint kit for building an RFID reader that you'd have basically in your backpack or in a purse, and you can hold the device in your hand, literally walk up into, say, like a crowded Costco or Walmart self-checkout area, and you can literally walk around and pick up and steal the uh, information off the RFID tap chip. Uh, within three or four feet of people. Someone claimed they did it within 10 feet of people. And so what he's talking about, I read about this, was there are people literally implanting the devices under their skin so they have the RFID reader chips like in their hand and you can't be seen. It makes it easier to steal the card information. Well, think about this. There are supposedly these biohackers implanting these reader devices under their skin to steal the information from the RFID tap chips why by the way it's pretty widely known that the rfid chips can be read from different smart devices like um, smart telephone poles and things like that as you're walking around in a city you can basically be tracked by this stuff but so if they did not have the problem which is a hackable rfid chip that they decided to put inside of your credit card right that you're tapping it can then be picked up by three foot to 10 foot. You wouldn't have the problem with the biohackers building the RFID chip readers. Do you see what I'm saying? See what I'm saying? They create the problems, right? They create the problems through their technology. Let me just rewind this for a second. Let's just finish up this piece from uh, Dr. Morgan. How to put motherboards in people. Um, and they may use it for some purposes, like phishing, using RFID signals in their hands to take information from you. But uh, there are some other interesting developments. When you start thinking about the fluidity of what you can do with the brain, they're experimenting with CE6 and giving people with eye drops night vision. For several hours, a person receiving the night drops can see over 160 feet in the dark. So. Okay, so he's talking about the eye drops that I mentioned to you, the chlorine they're putting into people's eyes that then give them night vision for several hours. Let's continue. It's a lot easier to look through your own eyes than it is to put on nods. And it will be a short time before you get a better solution than we get from the biohacking community. But it could also be readily available to almost anybody on the planet. Um, it's going to be harder to keep this under control than it is to keep the special lenses and uh, night vision technology. Um, Okay, so there he's talking about how they're going to walk away, the military, with technology that they're going to pick up from the biohackers, like putting chlorine in their eyes for night vision for a few hours, right? So one of the things that I've always believed is that these sort of bio, you know, let me take a note of this, uh, because I want to show this to you in a future show. There are a number of these weird type of biohackers, but also in other situations related to, uh, I, I won't get into it here, but 
where the, where there are people that I tend to believe are sanctioned by the government are working in sort of uh, deep ops research, sort of like a Charles Manson situation with the crew that he was leading. And so these guys are out in the wild. Now they'll call them biohackers. And they're there doing experiments in people's basements, sort of like MK Ultra mind control type of stuff. But really, they are sanctioned by the government to do this stuff out in the wild. And then the so basically they're using criminals and such that are unwittingly being used as guinea pigs for the government to test out certain things that maybe are unethical in the sense that maybe they can't get a scientist who's got some morals and some values and ethics to agree to do this stuff in a Fort Detrick lab. Uh, So they kind of release it into the black market and they do it out in the the real world and then they pull back the technology and they figure out what happened and maybe uh, seven criminals went blind or died but it's okay because it didn't happen as an official part of the government and so that's what he's talking about there then he's also telling them the cadets that now this night vision won't be protected in the way that they could uh, stop people from getting access to the technology to build the lenses for night vision because if this gets out on the black market then all these criminals could have access to the night vision All right, that's what he's getting at there. But folks, we've got to wrap it up. I started off real nice tonight. All about the midwifery, all about the picnic, all that good stuff. And it was for a reason, because I knew we were going to get into the darkness. All right, so think of the first part of the show as the chlorine drops in your eyes, folks. That was to give you the night vision to get through the darkness that we had to enter into here with Dr. Charles Morgan III. Ladies and gentlemen, when we return tomorrow, which will be the Sunday going into Monday show, we're going to finish up Dr. Charles Morgan so we can move on to another madman, Dr. James Giordano. Ladies and gentlemen, sleep tight. Don't let Dr. Charles Morgan bite, because if you do, you never know what type of cyborg superhuman you're going to turn into. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. Have a great day. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold.